The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. Welcome to the Crossman Conversation, CEO edition, offering insights, wisdom, and counsel from the most respected CEOs. Here is the host of the Crossman Conversation, CEO edition, John Crossman. Hello, this is John Crossman, and welcome to the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition. Uh, today, one of my regular guests here, Dr. Josh Harris. Uh, Dr. Harris, thanks for being on the show. It's a pleasure to be back with you, John. Uh, you know, you have your own company where you do consulting and research in that space, and you're also a professor at Fordham University. That is, is that correct? correct. Yeah. yeah I, well, it was funny. I was recently in New York and meeting with a gentleman there, and one of his sons was undergraduate at Fordham and just had the best things to say about that outstanding it, institution. It's an amazing place, and I will say they have this great camp. Everyone thinks of Fordham as being up in the Bronx, where they have a beautiful Rose Hill campus. they got this great campus right at Lincoln Center. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you were to put the value on the real estate, oh, my world. But yeah, I learned that these are... They have undergrad students that get to spend their like whole undergraduate career right there. It's amazing. That's absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome. So uh, let's talk about this. Um, as we're approaching year end, um, let's do a quick recap. What are your thoughts, big picture, the real estate year end review 2023? Well, here we are, and I should say we are recording. It is December of 2023. And, you know, I would have thought we would have been in a very different space for December 23 when it was, say, December 22. And what do I mean by that? Well, I would have thought we've had some better clarity on valuations and maybe more resurgence of transactions. Unless there's some big surprises about to close by December 31, I haven't seen it. We certainly have not seen interest rates really come down, maybe off of their peak peaks if you're looking at like the 10-year treasury, but you know the Fed certainly hasn't uh, given us any presence. And you know, it looks like we're kind of where we were, where we're just waiting to see what's going to happen. And that means this whole year has kind of been a year in limbo if you look at it from an economic market perspective. I'm going to go through some categories and I want you to tell me uh, whether you think they're up or down. And then I, if I don't, if you don't mind, I might add a little Let's go for spin it. on that. So uh, first off, um, owners, and I, I have that as kind of split. Like first off with owners, I'm like up because leasing has remained up. Like most properties are really well leased, uh, but down. Talk, talking about retail. Yeah, retail. I'm, yep. so, I'm sorry, I should have clarified. You, should. you do everything, you know, for, but in but in retail, um, yeah, uh, there's that, some offer sellers who are like really, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get back to that one, but but for retail, uh, being an owner has been up because things have been well leased, but mm-hmm. down in the sense that probably the value the value of your property is down. So if you don't need to sell and you're just cash flowing, you're still probably happy. Um, but if you've got a loan coming due or you were thinking about selling. Uh, it's it's sort of mixed. Is that accurate? I think that's very accurate. And what, what's kind of interesting is, you know, retail about well, more than a decade ago, we're talking maybe 13, 14 years ago when we had that 08 downturn. And then this little company known as Amazon card started making all kinds of noise. You know, retail development really slowed down and you almost had to have it 100% or nearly so leased. And we always talk about public centers, right? I mean, if the public signed a lease, you knew you could get it done. But I mean, outside of that, you just didn't build stuff so much. Well, population kept growing. So now all of a sudden you've got, well, where it's hard sometimes for retail to open up stores. You've had a lot of places, a lot of new places open up, which is great. So yeah, your rent roll probably looks pretty good today, but the capital markets, those cap rates, all those interest rate things, which affects all the sectors fairly equally. Yeah. I mean, they are, that has been the big source of pain. So I, uh, that's a very true statement. Yeah. I was recently in New York at the ICSC and uh, I met with leadership at um, most of the major REITs. And they were they were positive, right? Because that in their position of not needing mm-hmm. to sell, so that one. 
So then I move over to developers and I think that's, I think it's mixed, you know, like, well, we have a couple of developments we're working on and we're getting great interest and we're, we're happy with it. Um, I would say some local governments are a, a little bit easier to work with. And you know, when you have sort of down markets, sometimes that happens. That's a good thing. But construction prices are still high and they're still hard. They're super, mm-hmm. super hard. So we, I guess we benefited from a lack of development in the last few years and now we're kind of paying for it. But again, it seems like split decision, a little good and bad. Is that right? I think that's true. And I always, one of my best sort of strategies for developers in particular is the absolute best time to develop is when it's the hardest time to develop. Mm. If, which basically means if you can get the money together and you're able to go and you're one of the few, you're one of the few places that goes, you're in the best place you can be. I always, you know, there's a great movie, Forrest Gump, where there's this one scene where they're out, you know, they, these guys who don't have the sense that they shouldn't be uh, fishing in what we think is like a hurricane. And then they come back and all the other shrimp boats are kind of wrecked because, but they're fine. So then they suddenly are pulling in all the shrimp. That's kind of what it's like if you're a developer who's able to start a project uh, when nobody else is able to do a project. So I think that if you're able to get the capital, if you're able to go, it's the best time, which I mean, kind of the flip side is when well, the capital is so super, super cheap, like we had a couple of years ago, and it's the riskiest time, right? Because everyone's got this great idea they can build and everyone executes. That's a really good point. Well, I, I can say when developments we've got going on, we're getting that kind of feedback. And just to touch on the, a, a related part of that is uh, we're buying an office building. And so uh, when I was talking to people about that at the New York ICS, they like uh, contrarian, like that was interesting, <laughs> but I feel like we have a really good plan. It's not crazy. Yeah. And so you're right. Sometimes you can zig when else zags and that can work for you. Like, like in your Forrest Gump story, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'll be Forrest Gump and that's what I get. But <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that, see how that works out. Um, investment sales. I heard numbers uh, from the, all the big firms that they all seem to be somewhere to 40 to 60% off uh, previous year volumes. And when I look at product coming out, um, it doesn't feel like it's a ton. It still right. feels if I had a guess, it feels like mid year next year, it'll be, it'll be better. That's for my guess. I'll make a couple points of that one. I do think that 2024 is going to be a bit more of a year of what I call reckonings in the sense that you could only kick the can so far or, you know, sweep it under the rug, all the interest rate devaluations, those kind of things. I mean, it's going to be hard to push it beyond 24. So you will see more transactions as a result. And interestingly, when you said that, I think it was 40% there downabouts, you know, that for retail, that probably is le- the l- maybe the least impacted of the mm-hmm. sectors. I've seen way worse numbers for office and actually, actually multifamilies in, yeah. is what's interesting about multifamily is they have the lowest cap rates or capitalization rates, meaning that the um, valuation impacts due to the rise in interest rates is actually as a percentage is going to be the highest. Retail, interestingly, had probably some of the highest cap rates. So its actual um, impact due to rising interest rates is actually going to be the lowest, right? So it's a, it's a little bit of a contrarian play. So candidly, those, I mean, I'm sure the investment sale brokers in retail aren't, you know, I mean, they're probably pairing back their Christmas parties this year, but they're probably in a lot better place than some of the other sectors are on a relative basis. Yeah. And the ones I see that uh, seem like doing better than others are ones that are diversified, mm-hmm. you know, ones that are doing single tenant and right. power and grocery and all the above. If they were like focused on one aspect asset in the, specifically like mm-hmm. we're only doing malls or we're only doing grocery, then it's a little bit, a little bit tougher. Right. I think that's a good point. It also gets back to one of the strengths that the retail has naturally that I think, I think some of the institutional investors are rediscovering is that, you know, people need to shop, people need to eat, people even need to go out to restaurants and they do that kind of in all economic phases. And candidly, they do it in all 50 states in every market, right? So 
as we're, we take office, there's this whole debate. Well, do I even need to be in an office to do my work? That's the big kind of, you know, mm-hmm. the hot button discussion there. You know, we used to have that with retail where like, could I online shop? And people are realizing, well, actually, no, there, you can't online shop your entire retail footprint. So at well, this point, if you haven't experienced the pain of it, you probably aren't. Yeah. It's, and here's another weird one. Let's talk about malls. Sure. Right. So uh, I talked to one major mall owner uh, on a big mall portfolio and basically 90% of their malls are doing awesome. Yep. They got three bad ones and they got to figure that out. Right. And that's hard. Um, but I was recently in Altamont mall mm-hmm. and it was packed. Yep. And so again, I think that was the numbers are like there's 1300 malls. How many malls do we need? <laughs> you know, maybe it's three to 400 right. and maybe the top 200 be great. The next 250 like plus or minus, but you still haven't had the big crack on the bottom 400, right? Like it's, we still haven't seen the troubled ones all snatched up and fixed. It, you know, there, I believe there's a website, uh, those out there the, who are listening can just Google it called like deadmalls.com right. or something like that. And they have all these pictures with set to eerie music. And you know, I, I like to uh, sometimes recommend my students go look at it to kind of get a sense of these things. And, you know, I, I think at this point here at the end of 2023, if a mall was going to die, it pretty much would be dead. Or, I mean, there are some malls that are still technically open, but I mean, it, you don't have to walk around and wonder what's going to happen or how it's going on. The reality is we do need that type of real estate. So, I mean, I think the winners and losers have actually long been sorted out. The issue with the call it the losers is that they probably need to be demolished and returned into you know, mixed use apartments and so and retail too. But sometimes the ownership configurations, cause like the, you know, the, the anchor tenants could be owned separately from the, from the rest of the mall stores. And it's just sometimes so complex to kind of enter to unwind Mm-hmm. the way the mall is developed that it, candidly it's almost like a, it's almost like a legal problem not really a real estate problem absolutely absolutely well listen we're going to take a break and come back and talk more about the wonderful uh, story of malls now we'll come right back uh with this is john crossman with dr josh harris this is john crossman and i work with a lot of vendors in the commercial real estate industry and i got to tell you one of my favorite ones ever is my friends over at construction unlimited Florida's premier roofing company, and they bridge the craftsmanship with the pinnacle of innovation. They're just one of the best groups because of the trust, the expertise, the quality, and my favorite part, they're really committed to the community. When you're thinking about roofing construction needs, keep Construction Unlimited at the top of your list. At JLL, we are reshaping the future of real estate for a better world. For over 250 years, our firm has remained committed to offering trusted and innovative solutions in commercial real estate leasing, management, investment strategies, and technology. JLL.com. See a brighter way. Here's a call to those who want to make an impact on their company, their community, or who possess a desire to make the world a better place. Crossman Career Builders provides the tools and resources for you or your company to make a difference on some of the toughest issues that we all face. Crossman Career Builders partners with CEOs, politicians, and pastors seeking to address problems of racism, mental health, addiction, justice, and suicide. CrossmanCB.com. Once again, here's John Crossman. We're back here with Dr. Josh Harris. Uh, Dr. Harris, we're just talking about malls, and uh, it just be interesting. So there's still this bottom tier. I mean, the bottom, bottom tier is what it is, but it's sort of the bottom lower one-third. It's still a question. And I think to your point, like the ones that are like um, uh, a million square feet, it doesn't mean that they need to go to zero, but a lot of them probably just need to go to like 400,000 right. square feet and then replace with apartments and medical mm. and that, that kind of stuff. I've always said like, 
malls need to become like town centers is what yep. they need to do. And so heading back to that space. Okay. Um, any other categories out there that we didn't touch on? We talked about owners, we talked about developers, we talked about investment sales, we talked about um, malls. Oh, I know another one I want to ask you was like, it does seem like if you have a trophy asset, it's still a trophy asset. Oh, absolutely. Right. So if it is bulletproof and you're like, hey, I'm not selling this for anything lower than like a five yeah. cap or something, you're still going to probably get it. And then if you're ready to part with something, if right. you're really like, man, it's broken, I'm ready to just let it go, it's going to move. The pain point is in between the two. Is that right? I think that's 100% true. And the, the, the trophy asset owners, and I've talked to a few people on private basis in the last couple of months, and they know they're not going to sell. They're, they're, well, if I thought I was going to sell for liquidity or plan purposes in 23, I'll just defer to 24. 24 doesn't look great. I'll just defer to 25. And that that's including in, uh, you know, your, your, your class A plus office buildings is equally true as anything else. It, the pain is in that mushy middle, which I mean, candidly, especially like an office that could be 60% of the market retail. It's probably 30%, right? It's, it's one of those interesting things. In fact, the one thing we didn't talk about is that much is even apartments where I think, mm. and, and housing in general, one of the, this is like a, maybe I want to be serious. I'm not making a prediction or any strong statements, but I do worry a little bit more with the consumer, especially on the housing side. I mean, things are expensive, not even just mortgage rates, insurance rates, certainly in Florida, but even across the country, you know, sometimes your, your cost of maintenance, the I mean, God forbid you had to replace a, an air conditioning unit. I mean, there's a lot more pain potentially, I think, in the housing sector, which which can ripple through the economy. And we've already seen well, Home Depot and those type warn on this. Yeah, no, look, I think what you're hitting on there is a great point. You know, multifamily had been the, the darling oh, yeah. for uh, my entire career, and it's not anymore. And I think to your point, if you keep pushing up rental rates, that's one thing. But if the consumer is getting pushed up in every bucket, yep. there's just a breaking point where like, hey, I, I can't pay this anymore. And, you know, I've got a couple deals that I'm working on that are potential mixed-use redevelopments, and I've, I've struggled finding a multifamily partner mm-hmm. because what they're telling me is, like, they can't find equity for deals, which yes. is, like, that's such a foreign thing for me to hear, right? It's so hard to hear. The loans aren't much better. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, is that um, what I heard is that, um, you know, if you're taking deals to market right now, and it's not the bulletproof ones, but be thinking, be thinking eight to nine cap. Yeah. You know, and uh, some deals are going to hit the 10 cap as well, depending on the, what the situation and is. This is where I've heard this phrase survive until 25, mm. i.e. if you are needing to start, if you're a developer and if you can just keep the site alive, keep things going where you thought you were going to go under construction 2024, make, you know, negotiate, get all your, get all your ducks in a row so that you can hold it till 2025 when then hopefully the interest rates are more logical. And I mean, it's hard to ever predict too far in the future, but probably a smart strategy. And I think the developers and the people just across the board who are able to have that long-term mindset, they're probably going to be pretty happy. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, look, you know, my brain always goes back to in these situations. It's like focus on operations, Absolutely. like make sure you're, you're buttoned down and getting things done. I had, I had a guy that um, was looking at selling a portfolio of properties he owns and I was driving by it the other day. He was thinking about it and his leasing sign looked like it was put up in 1974. And I'm just like, man, bro, it's like, if you want to sell your house, like paint the fence, man. Like, you know, you got to put in a little bit, just a little bit to kind of push it up. Oh. And there's just, sometimes there's no thought to it, you know? Yeah. You know, one of the things that is very true in the office market. I know this kind of plays in with, um, you know, the deal you, you mentioned a lot of office owners and this is, this is true in retail and as well, you know, when things start to get shaky, they, they, well, they cut the budgets of, you know, all the amenities, all the niceties 
And I've heard increasingly these crazy stories about the, you know, the lenders and their, the owners getting into battles where the minute it, you know, hits a, 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 um, a term due, which is like a technical default, they're not even allowing renewal leasing, let alone t- tenant expenditures or any of the things that keep a building up. So if you have an asset and you have the ability, and I mean, ability is a key word because some people don't have it, to actually properly maintain and manage a building, you're kind of like that bubblegum shrimp boat. I mean, there is just so many buildings that are really fine, good buildings and go ask a broker, hey, could you actually get a lease signed there? No, because why? Well, the lender won't approve it because of this, that, or the other thing. So can't, I don't know why, you know, it's, it's going to be one of those like textbook casebook stories about, you know, bad management of uh, real estate and probably the lending world. But if you own that asset and are able to maintain it and be it, you're probably going to, be able to pick up a lot of extra value. Well, I would tell you that uh, you know, my plan for uh, 2024 is buying, buying and developing. Yep. Yep. You know, we've got several deals on both sides we're working on. Uh, on the buy side, it's just super hard, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like find the deals, getting control of the deals, and then putting the capital stack together is very challenging. But we still think there's going to be good opportunities out there to do it. So we're kind of we're kind of slugging away. But I'm going into this year with a lot of intensity. You know, usually there's sort right. of a downtime at the end of the year, like no, this year. Um, because that's what we need slugging into this next one. And then hope it gets us ready for market turnaround. Any final thoughts from you, Dr. Harris? I think be optimistic is my best line point. I mean, th- these kind of turbulent times are some of the best times to get footholds and start things. And those who really are willing to not just but bury their head in the sand will probably be the winners. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I've, I've been through a few downturns in my life. And all I can tell people is like, I just kept on working. Yep. Yeah, I just kept put my hand on, head down and working. And then, you know, uh, opportunities come up and then sometimes you pivot, right? Like, you know, didn't, didn't start this year thinking I'd be buying an office building, but finishing that way with it. Um, and, uh, but again, you sort of match to the market. And like I say, there's uh, mixed use development I'm working on and I didn't know that that would be a thing, but again, it just makes sense. And so you just got to get out there every day and hit it and see yep. what happens. You know, one of my uh, favorite movies I always reference is the movie Cast Away with um, Tom Hanks and, you know, there's this really sad point where he's thinking about committing suicide. Right. He's like so depressed. And then the next day, this huge piece of plastic comes in and that's the last piece he needed to make his boat right. get up the island. And so one of the most important lines of the movie is like, you never know what the, right. Uh, what's the, the wind. yeah, yeah. The, the current or whatever, yeah. whatever something like that, whatever, whatever, you know, what the tide, that's what it is. You never know what the tide's going to bring in. Right. And to me, it's like, that's just one of those aspects of business and yep. life. Like, you hustle. I, I told a young professional the other day, I'm like, look, when times are tough, like smile, show up and hustle. And like, you know, good things will happen. It's not always going to be a direct mm-hmm. line, uh, but that's what, that's what you got to do because, um, you know, there's the other options, not good. And in staying still in those times, not going to work. Totally agree. All right. Thank you to Dr. Josh Harris, my good friend and uh, one of the best advisors and consultants in the industry. By the way, just a side note before we sing this last segment, if you're out there and you're working on a real estate project and you're scratching like, I don't know what to do, they can always call Dr. Harris. You do consulting. That's not something Ab- you do. Absolutely. Give me and, a call. Yeah. And so you have some pretty big brain resources for people. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then be back with uh, Mike Gillen for a final word. I'd like to thank Maynard Cooper and Gail PC for being a sponsor of our program. 
Maynard is a full-service law firm with over 350 attorneys and 14 offices nationally who serve with professional excellence in everything from corporate and business matters to day-to-day legal issues. The office in Central Florida focuses its practice in real estate, corporate transactions and organization, banking and finance, along with trust and estates. To learn more, visit MaynardCooper.com. Crossmock Services is a commercial real estate firm offering a wide range of professional services, including advisory, brokerage and leasing, investing, and property management. Our staff comprises the industry's most seasoned professionals who possess the needed knowledge in real estate investments, analysis, and portfolio management to drive growth. See how Crossmark can work for you. That's CrossmarkServices.com. As the largest property tax practice in North America, Ryan's professionals possess the local footprint and knowledge backed by a team with national expertise to help organizations minimize their property tax liabilities and ensure valuations are fair and accurate. With the Florida tax appeal deadlines approaching rapidly, local experts at Ryan work proactively with many jurisdictions across Florida well in advance of the August trim notice mailing to ensure our clients receive maximum tax savings. Guys, I use Ryan, and I hope you will too. Once again, here's John Crossman. All right, we're back here at the Crossman Conversation CEO Edition. Mike Gillen, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing fine. I always enjoy having Josh up here. It's really great. You know, it's funny. It's like he's very wise and he's also very calm, right? And so it's always, it's like having an adult in the room, Mike. Which <laughs> That's was right. you, and, you, and I, you and I need. And it was oh, interesting, yeah. you know, you have years where everything's up and they have years where everything's down, right? Like it's all bad, you know? I remember back in the, the Great Recession, the stock market was just dropping every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember saying to somebody, well, you know, at some point it'll stop dropping. You know, if it hits zero, it has to stop dropping. Like, so I've seen just like bad, yeah. like all the way around kind of bad. Yeah. And this is just this consistent split decision, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, again, even when we talk about malls, it's like, oh, all malls are bad. No, some are doing great, right? Some are doing bad. And, you know, some some uh, ownerships are struggling, some are not. And yeah. so it's a very split Kind of situation. You know, in light of how many things are up, you know, we were talking a little bit about how that it's it's okay if you can at times buy when things are this down, because like the like Bubba Bubba Gump's boat, yeah. you can be the only one out there doing something or you're getting things at maybe a little bit better price. But for me, I think it's quite amazing that so many areas have some hot spots happening even in today's economy. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. It's also, that goes back to geography, right? And we talked about that before that, like, you know, if we talk about office market and it's San Francisco, Chicago, um, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, but other markets, it's not nearly as bad. Orlando and other places are not having as much challenges. So you really have to be local market specific and, and looking at it and really understanding the players and what's going on, Yeah, you know? Um, I like, I like the deals we're doing. I think they make a lot of sense, but they're not a match for everybody. Yeah. You know, you know, um, you mentioned a diversity too, in, in the type of spaces that are out there and the people that are in these spaces. Do you think that a lot of people, when they are investing, let's say buying a, some sort of mixed use unit, are, do they have a real grasp on just the importance of being diversified in their clientele? You know, I hope so, because the thing about it is, is that I, I meet people that want to uh, dabble into real estate and I'm like, man, it's, it's a hard thing to be passive in, right? Like you can be an investor and, and be passive, but if you're going to be an investor and be passive, I'm going to tell you like, you know, make sure you got money in different places, mm-hmm. right? And then if you start putting money in, money in deals, I'm like, man, 
you know, you've got to really be on top of it, do your homework and then yeah. and know who you're, who's on your team. Look, I got a friend of mine that's a little bit uh, older than me and he shocked me the other day. He's a big time real estate investor and he said he had zero money in a, in a 401k. Never put a dime in a 401k. That, oh my. That's shocking. Yeah, it is. And, uh, but this is guy, you know, he's, he's, he's had high highs and low lows. I hear that when I want to like throw up and freak out, you know, not for me. Um, but I think it's, you gotta have a real balance to it. It, uh, real estate is very cash intense. And then also it's really hard to pull your money out. So you mm-hmm. have to have a calm or a long ball view to it. And I think being in that place where Josh was talking about that, when you have a trophy, uh, a piece of property that you're not going to just let it go for nothing. You're going to hold on to it. If things work, if you were wanting to sell, and you see the, the bellwether signs out there are not great for selling right now, they can hold on, defer to the next year. That's a great place to be if you're an owner. It is. And then the other side of it is, is that if you do need to sell and it's not a trophy asset, you can sell. It doesn't have to be a fire sale, but you have to come to grips with it, mm-hmm. right? Like if you thought your asset was worth, you know, 10 million and you're like, man, I wish I would have sold two years ago, 10 million. Now it's worth 8 million. Well, you know, sell for 8 million, right? Like you, you've got to just come to terms with, you know, either you need to do that or plan on holding, you know, for a longer period yeah. of time. It, like if you were thinking about selling and you don't like the pricing, then you're going to probably end up holding it for four or five years. Yeah. And then if you're a buyer, you know, realizing that what he said, things are looking a little tough right now going into 2024. So you just got to hang in there, but good deals still happen. And they that's do. what you found just recently. Yeah, they still happen. Um, and they're just, and they're still hard. I mean, I think part of it is because everything's tight everybody's looking at everything like very, very carefully. And if there's a problem, they're going to stop. Like they're not going to just sort of like jump over it. They're going to let it break it apart. Mm-hmm. So Mike, thanks, man. As always, great, great insight, great information. I always appreciate Dr. Harris about being on the show. Um, and uh, until next time, look forward to having you here in the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition. This has been the Crossman Conversation, CEO edition with your host, John Crossman. Tune in next week for another talk with an experienced CEO that will help bring clarity to your business endeavors. The preceding was a Mark Radio production.